Hi, this is Megan McHugh, and this is the podcast of Triple R Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy, and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website. G'day! Welcome aboard the Starship Zero G Science Fiction, Fantasy and Historical Radio for episode number 1342, entitled Resident Aliens. Our podcast title is Wolf Pod. I am Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. And here we are talking about a movie called Wolf Walkers. Mm-hmm. I almost call it Wolf Whackers because <laughs> that's pretty much what they do, <laughs> which is awful and should not be encouraged. But no. we're also going to look at the new television series Resident Alien. Mm-hmm. And so it's all actually kind of fun today. Yeah, I mean, yeah. sometimes we head into the, the darkness and cover things that are a little more, you know, apocalyptic or a little bit depressing, let's say, but these are quite uplifting, I think. Yeah, and speaking of uplift, Russian director Klim Shipenko and actress Yulia Persild will launch from Baikonur Cosmodrome aboard wow. Soyuz MS-19, that's Mission 19, on the 5th Mm -hmm. of October this year to make a science fiction movie aboard the International Space Station. What? Yeah. The movie's working title is Challenge. Now, Shipenko was the director of the 2017 space disaster film Sadiat 7, Mm -hmm. as well as the crime thriller Text and the time travel satire Surf and also did the computer crime movie The Nerd's Confession. And the actress Persilid worked on the supernatural thriller Sonatal and played the role of the Soviet sniper in the 2015 film Battle for Sevastopol. Now, it's a bit of a cinematic space race because mm-hmm. actor Tom Cruise mm-hmm. and director, writer, producer Doug Lyman are working with Elon Musk and SpaceX and NASA, and they're also hoping to shoot the first narrative feature film aboard the ISSS, also in October. Wow. (laughs) Okay, I see. So, yeah, it's a new space race, huh? I just hope they've all got their permits in order. (laughs) They'll be raising ship aboard SpaceX's reusable Crew Dragon spacecraft atop the reusable Falcon 9 rocket, and Doug Lyman is known for directing Swingers in 1996, The Bourne Identity, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, and more pertinently, the science fiction movie Jumper and its loose sequel streaming series Impulse. He also did Edge of Tomorrow of Mr. Cruz. Mm-hmm. and. Film. Yeah, and American Made in 2017. So it's just an amazing sort of thing to be able to do that. Yeah, I mean, and we covered his film recently, Chaos Walking, as well. Mm. With, with mixed, I, you know, Zero G had some mixed feelings about that one, but I'm intrigued. I'd be interested to see what he's got up his sleeve. Now, this is not the first narrative 
film shot in space. There was a short done in 2008 called Apogee of Fear, which was filmed by video game developer Richard Garriott based on story elements by fantasy author Tracy Hickman. And he co-wrote the Dragonlance novels with Margaret Weiss, uh, which was sort of a gaming um, tie-in series. (laughs) Really good stuff, actually. (laughs) So that was actually done as a, a short film in space. Wow. So, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, and, and just imagine, because they watch movies up there in the ISS, mm. sometimes, you know, they kick back and watch a DVD or a, a digital stream probably. They can watch their own movie like. <laughs> so interesting. I mean, it is very, I mean, that's a stunt in a lot of ways, right? We can obviously replicate that, but to be able to say that it was, you know, real locations. <laughs> Shot there. All right, so we have a track now, and I played a track from this the other week. It's Chris Hadfield, who, of course, was an astronaut aboard the International Space Station. And last time we played his Space Oddity song. Now, this actually comes from a an album called Space Sessions, Songs from a Tin Can. Mm-hmm. Now, he actually did play Space Oddity on his guitar when he was actually up on the ISSS, and it became a big retro rocket hit mm-hmm. <laughs> for mm-hmm. him. And the version that I played last week wasn't actually the live version from the ISS mm-hmm. because it was quite well mixed and it had backing and all sorts mm-hmm. of stuff. And obviously he didn't take, like, everything up there. <laughs> His studio equipment. <laughs> Even though we do know that Bruce the Shark from Jaws wanders around with the London Symphony Orchestra in his belly. <laughs> this is not what happened in the space station. So, yeah, you know, if you want to get pedanting on that, well, go ahead. But all right, so Beyond the Terror, and that's T-E-R-R-A. <laughs> Captain Catherine Janeway of the Federation Starship Voyager. Zero G is fun, as you were. And that, of course, was retired astronaut Colonel Chris Hadfield, of the Canadian Space Agency, science communicator, singer, former (laughs) astronaut, engineer, former fighter pilot. Is there anything that man cannot do? It's the whole package. Yeah, putting out the space riffs there in a song called uh, Beyond the Terror, T-E-R-R-A, and that particular song comes not actually from Orbit at the time, but from an album called Space Sessions, Songs from a Tin Can. <laughs> hmm. All right, so into Resident Alien, which is not to be mistaken for Resident Evil. No. <laughs> or indeed as for President Alien, which we've now dispensed with, <laughs> at least <laughs> the same portion of the population of the world has. I believe he's still uh, referred to as the President in some crop circles (laughs) (laughs) so this is not a netflix show no we've branched out and we've tried to get something from uh, free to air streaming as well which i think is really good and we found it on channel Nine's streaming service Mm -hmm. which i found a bit hesitant to use on my tablet Mm -hmm. so i had to hdmi cable it to the telly from my laptop Mm. And I also found the app Borky on the smart telly in its native sort of form. But right. That, that may just be my telly's age, but I'm not getting rid of it because it does 3D. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a rarity these days, actually. But I had a little bit of, not trouble, but you need to create a, just a free account. It's pretty easy to use, though. You. Yeah. 
I managed to cast it onto my TV with Google Cast and that was fine. Our mobile app was okay. So it's called Nine now. So it will be up there all the episodes for about a year. So you've got plenty of time to watch this and of course, no cost associated. So I thought this was a really fun pick, Rob. I was very pleased, pleasantly surprised once I uh, got this one going. Hmm, me too. It's a US American science fiction comedy, drama, alien police procedural series <laughs> based on the um, 2012 ongoing miniseries comic book of the same name by English comic book writer Peter Hogan, mm-hmm. who's worked on 2000 AD and Vertigo Comics, mm-hmm. and writer slash artist Steve Parkhouse, who also worked on the old Tharg journals and mm-hmm. Doctor Who magazine. Yeah. And the... Writers and creators said that they drew inspiration from The Man Who Fell to Earth, My Favourite Martian, and Twin Peaks. Mm, mm -hmm, And you can mm -hmm. see that. And, look, it's all based around a character called Captain Ha-Ri, and he's an alien biologist who crash lands on Earth. Mm -hmm. That's in the comic books. In the series, of course, they call him Harry. So, (laughs) And they didn't even have to find half a dog tag melted in the ruins or anything like anything marvelous like that (laughs) so in 2018 the sci-fi channel over in the states well they said that they were going to do a tv adaptation of this dark horse comic book and amblin television threw in and universal cable productions got in there too the tv show itself is created by chris sheridan who we know as a writer for family guy Mm -hmm. got an emmy award at one stage been nominated a whole bunch of times and i notice also that one of the executive producers is robert duncan mcneil who we know as playing the character of Tom Paris in Star Trek mm. Voyager. Mm-hmm. So he's one of those actors who's made the transition to directing and producing and so on. So I've actually just told you the story. Hari, the alien biologist, crash lands on Earth. Mm-hmm. He is played by Ellen Tudyk, who we know very well mm-hmm. from Firefly and Serenity, but whom I first saw in Death at a Funeral. Mm, same, yeah. Yeah, playing the character of Simon who ends up naked and and reciting poetry from the roof of the mansion, I think, mm-hmm. in the story, mm-hmm. if, I get, if I get it right. And of course, he was um, Hobain Wash, Washburn in Firefly and its sequel film Serenity. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've also seen him in Tucker and Dale versus Evil and iRobot, he was the the voice of the robot. Uh, He was in A Knight's Tale. He was in Transformers Dark of the Moon, again as a voice, Maze Runner. Mm. Voices of Wreck-It Ralph, the voice of K2SO in Rogue One, a Star Wars story. And he's been in Season 2 of Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. And because he's done a lot of voice acting, he's also been the voice of Clark Kent and Superman. (laughs) in animated movies, Justice League, War. We've also seen him in the sitcom Suburgatory, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and he has his own comedy web series, Con Man, as well. And that's meta because it's about this actor whose career has been locked on to once being in a successful science fiction TV show. (laughs) (laughs) I think um, he was in Dollhouse as well, the other Whedon show. Yeah. Yeah, a man of vast experience, 
And I can remember in an episode of Firefly where he went into a, a carnival sideshow and there was a, a strange sort of freaky cow being preserved somehow. Mm. And, you know, it was part of the freak show in the carnival. And, and he started talking to it saying, do not fear us for we are a peaceful race and we mean you no harm or something like that. Mm. And I think that echoes on in my head when I'm watching Resident Alien. <laughs> Because here he is in the reverse situation. Well, I'm thinking more about the cow scene now there in one of the episodes, which was <laughs> memorable, yes, to say the least. Let's say that, Har- that Harry, and I'm just going to go with that, that Harry is, he's fond of milk from the source. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, he's, yes. no, he's, not a, he's not about tipping cows. No. <laughs> So, okay, Um, he he ends up in a a small town in Colorado called Patience. Yes, beautiful setting, I have to say. Some of the landscapes in this, and I know it's meant to be kind of a small town, one of the ones in narratives that people usually try to escape, but it is so pretty there, just beautiful. And why is he there? Well, his spaceship crashed relatively nearby in the mountains, and so he's been trying to find it. It's been lost in the snow and ice. you always got to remember where you park. He's also trying to find some very special and critical to his mission equipment Mm -hmm. that was on Mm -hmm. board the spaceship, which he also lost. There's your plot MacGuffin that you've got to find and, and sort out and get back into operation. He's actually taken the identity of a doctor who was living by the lakeside. Mm-hmm. Now, he wasn't the town doctor. Uh, he was a blow-in from New York, I think, and our alien character kills him and steals his shape. Yes. And so nobody knows that he's an alien, except if you have a genetic mutation, and it was very complicated the way they eventually explained that, but that allows you to see past his disguise. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And at this stage, there's one little boy (laughs) in the town who can see him as this rather, I wouldn't call him a grey, you know, that classic sort of Mm. grey alien with the big eyes and the almond-shaped head. Mm. But it's very similar to that, but colourful. Yes. Looks a lot like, if you remember in Buffy, they have, there's an episode called Go Fish where they have these fish creatures that come out of the sea. And so it looks a little bit like that as well, the alien. Maybe something out of Babylon 5 as well. Mm, mm, mm. I actually think he's quite handsome as an alien. (laughs) (laughs) It's a nice character design. Yeah. So whenever you you tend to think, oh, I'm just watching a a guy acting as an alien, occasionally you'll get that kid's viewpoint Mm. or or other viewpoints that they decide to do. It's quite clever the way they incorporate that form in some of the scenes. Yeah. Now, Alan is crazy good at playing an alien Hmm. trapped in a human's body. It's right in his wheelhouse, right? Like he likes to do a lot of that kind of physical comedy and also the kind of awkward kind of mannered characters and things like that. So I think this is really, I can see why they've cast him as this character. In fact, he's so good that he's suspicious. (laughs) And I have to, you know what I'm talking about here. (laughs) before I begin to sound like Woody Harrelson in 2012. <laughs> yeah, for this mm. role, he is absolutely perfect. He's got the the comic timing, the physical mannerisms. He's got this ability to do an odd cadence in his dialogue, mm. 
putting strange emphasis upon words that he would not necessarily be familiar with. Yeah, yeah. And not exactly going the full Yoda in his speech construction, Mm. deconstruction, but he's in that sort of wheelhouse. Yeah. And he seems to be able to do the improv really well. Like you can tell that a lot of this stuff has just been cooked up on the set. (laughs) And some really good facial expressions and the different things he'll do with his eyes and things kind of all adds up that you really do get the sense of it's someone inside a, a form they're not used to controlling. Well, this seems like a pretty good place to play the appropriate David Bowie track of the week. Well, kind of, maybe, perhaps. It's really all about Bowie's rather passionate dislike of organised religion. It's called Loving the Alien. So, this comes from 1984 from the Tonight album. Hello, this is Peter Davison. I played the Fifth Doctor. You're listening to Zero G on 3 Triple R FM. Interesting. This thing is smaller on the inside than it is on the outside. Sorry, mustache. Loving the Alien by David Bowie. And that's what we're talking about today. Not Bowie, but Loving the Alien, which is to say the resident alien from the new Sci-Fi Channel television series, which we found on the Channel 9 streaming service. Rob Jan and Megan McHugh. Apart from his fetish for drinking cows... (laughs) Eating hot dogs is beyond him. Oh, yes. (laughs) It's all the Uh, classic tropes, I will say. I think there's a very clear direction. I mean, I could be wrong. haven't finished the season yet, but there's a bit of a clear setup here that we're pretty – it's a classic fish-out-of-water story. You know, he'll gradually get to know the people around him and maybe some attitudes will be changed as he gets used to life as a human, things like that. But it's the execution and especially the acting in this, I think, elevate it. I also think that it reminds me a lot of Third Rock from the Sun. Because- yeah, I think it's it's definitely got a lot of that mixed with. You know, in the 90s they had a lot of those shows that had a, a key premise, like an early edition and things like that. It's kind of got the feeling of a very comfortable show set in one place with familiar characters and then there's kind of just a key oddity that the whole story revolves around. I think it's sort of that format but with the the alien elements from third rock one of the aliens in that was called harry mm, yeah well they were tom dick and harry yeah oh my god really yeah that's why they, they picked the names because they were like any tom dick and harry and they were like okay cool those are human that's names. right i forgot all about that yeah. classic show oh now i need yeah. to rewatch that yeah i think i actually started rewatching it uh, a couple of years ago and i got like halfway through mm. must pick it up again agree with you on that but this is much more of a dramatic show than third rock is a full-on sitcom, I think they do tackle some some different issues in this and it's meant to be a bit more of a human-level portrayal. I think there's some dramatic stuff in here too. And it's, it is uh, funny though. Oh, yeah, absolutely funny. It's got a harder edge to it. Imagine a show if it was made about Roger the alien from American Dad. Oh, who's, yeah. <laughs> who's quite hard-edged in his own way. Oh, yeah, he's ruthless in some ways. <laughs> yeah, a lot of ways. So there's a mixture of that in there, and it also feels very Fargo-like. Yeah, yeah. Perhaps because of the setting in the ice and snow, but also because of some of the quirky things that happen in there that are actually quite gruesome when you think about it, when you unpack them. 
Oh, yeah. And I also kept thinking of that show, Northern Exposure. Did you ever watch that show? Yeah. That really brought to mind. I think it's just the setting and the energy, that small town kind of thing. But, yeah, and the procedural elements as well because, you know, there's a there's also a crime that's happened here. So it's a bit of a crime procedural too. Well, because it's Sci-Fi Channel, there's a lot in it that reminds me of all of those crime procedural shows that Sci-Fi Channel has, plus things like Eureka. It's got oh, a very yeah. Eureka feel to it. Well, that's all the things that it reminds us of. <laughs> but it is its own thing in its own right. Alongside Alan Tudyk is Sarah Tomko playing a First Nations character called Asta Twelve Trees mm-hmm. from the Ute Native American tribe in mm-hmm. the story. She actually has this quite complicated baggage that she brings along with her in the show. And it's quite interesting, actually. There's a separate pathway through this story beyond the alien one, Mm. all about family. And I'm trying to think about how that works in context of the show. And I realise that that Harry doesn't have a family on Earth. Mm. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. this is their way of building that into it. Yeah, He is influenced by the fact that he's taken human form. He's Mm -hmm. experiencing human activities and life, Mm. and so it's changing his mindset quite literally, which is kind of difficult for him because he has a rather confronting mission to carry out on (laughs) Earth, which I won't explain to you at the moment. I do think she is a really core part of what appealed to me about this show in the early episodes. I think her character and that actress is almost as appealing to me as the as Harry himself. Mm. I think she's got a really nice energy on screen. There's obviously they've packed a lot into her backstory, but I really found myself gravitating towards her and think I think she's a really strong part of what makes mm. this show good. We've seen Sarah before in uh, Journey to the Centre of the Earth, Scott Wheeler's one in 2008. In the series Once Upon a Time, she played Princess Tiger Lily. You know, which is the whole Captain Hook thing, Lost Boy kind of thing. Yeah, she does tend to play Native American characters on NBC's Heartbeat. She was Dr. Black Horse, you know. But she's great. She really carries that. Because the um, supporting characters are so strong Mm. and well sketched in, I actually feel like I could almost watch this show without the alien element. Exactly. I had the same thought. Uh, it's it's quite interesting, isn't it? And that says a lot about the supporting characters and, and the actors portraying them. I also think you learn some very interesting things about Native American culture as well. I really liked yeah. those those elements. I thought that was a nice incorporation. I didn't feel like they just waved those elements over there for character's sake. No. It, they felt very integral to the plot. Mm-hmm. And speaking of that, uh, Gary Farmer plays Dan Twelve Trees. Asta's father, and he owns mm-hmm. the town's diner. We've seen him before playing Nobody yeah. <laughs> in the film's Dead Man, and he reprised that role in Ghost Dog, The Way of the Samurai. Oh, I thought yeah. I recognised him, but I didn't realise it was from Dead Man. Mm, indigenous Canadian actor and musician he is. I don't know too many of the other actors in this one apart from Alice Wetterlund, who plays Darcy, the town's Mm -hmm. bar owner. She was an alien abductee in the People of Earth TV series. (laughs) (laughs) Michael Cassidy plays 
a character who will show up later on in the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was, again, one of the aliens in People of Earth mm-hmm. and also played the editor of the Daily Planet in uh, Smallville. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm. Yeah, there's a so, lot of um, new faces here, or fresh faces for me at least. I'm sure these people are worky actors that have been in a lot of things, but, yeah, I didn't recognise a whole heap of them. Hmm. Now, there were some familiar faces that you will see later on. I'm not going to broach the identity of those okay, those characters. Apart from one who I don't care about, <laughs> Giorgio A. Carlos. Now, if you've seen those memes where the wild-haired man says, I'm not saying it's aliens, but it's aliens. Oh, <laughs> He's one of those ufologist guys, right. and he appears in this as himself. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, look, I think this is a, a great series. The yeah. first pilot episode is a little bit slow as they set things up, and it doesn't mm-hmm, quite mm-hmm. hit the stride, but the second episode, bam, they're there. Yeah. The interactions between Alan and the various townsfolk are always entertaining, mm. and there's – Probably one of the best ones is the relationship between him and the little boy, Max. Yeah, yeah. And and his sidekick, <laughs> who, who actually is probably smarter than Max is, but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> and they're gold. I watch mm. those and I'm cackling. Yeah. It's really heartwarming. Like I have to say, because you'd said to me, Rob, oh, the first episode takes a bit to hip stride, just persevere and it will pick up. And you were so right. I just found myself wanting to keep it playing. I think it's got a nice momentum. Yeah, there's MacGuffins in there. You can tell that they're not going to actually resolve to anything. But the characters are fantastic. I think it doesn't really – I mean, there are some stereotypes here, but I didn't at any point feel it was jarring. I think they actually have a lot of heart behind most of the characters, and I'm expecting that you'll get more from that as the show goes on. I've only watched, I think, three or four episodes. So I really was pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed this. Even though I love Alan Tudyk, I was like, oh, you know, this could go either way. This could be absolutely a disaster. But I found myself really warming to it. And there's a special duo in the film, Corey Reynolds and Elizabeth Bowen playing the town sheriff and his deputy. And they are hilarious. Just to listen, listen to the sheriff's ridiculous. He's like somebody who's watched a lot of town sheriffs and he's trying very much to get there. (laughs) And you listen to him and you go, what the hell did you just say? Yeah. So, yeah, everything in this and the taunting of the little boy when he realises that the guy is an alien, he starts taunting him back. And Yeah. Oh. <laughs> if you like those small town stories and the comedy elements of like a bit of an extra science fiction slant, you'll definitely really like this. Yeah. And the musical selection is great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they've really gotten into that. There's an episode where they – play the tune of a very popular sitcom at the start of the story as Harry's wandering around the town going about his daily chores. And we, because we've been watching this popular sitcom as sort of a lockdown um, mm-hmm. lifter, and it was hilarious to see it. Then we thought we'd actually jumped streams or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it's Resident Alien. It mm-hmm. is on Channel 9 streaming service. Yep, which is called 9 Now, and you can just download that app and you just need to create a login, but it's all free. Mm. And highly recommended, a lot of fun. I don't really know where it's going. No, me neither. 
<laughs> and I give them a lot of credit for each episode. They either introduce a new character or else they add to the, the universe and they expand it in this measured but engaging way. I left off the last episode. I watched the end. There was a little bit of a of cliffhanger, a little bit of a surprise, and I was like, oh. And so they do have really clever ways of making sure that you want to watch the next episode without it being heavy-handed, of course. But, they're, yeah, they're introducing little extra, little extra things all the time in a really mm. nice way. Don't feel like you're watching a whole season of Lost before you get one nugget of information. <laughs> no. They're, they're- this is- I also very much enjoyed little tiny details like, okay, there's a body the character has to work with and he stashes it in a snowbank yeah. and one of the bare feet sticking out and a bystander says to him as he's standing there with this snow shovel don't you have any respect for the dead and he says of course i do and then he leans the shovel up against the corpse and uses the big toe and the rest of the foot to hold the handle of the shovel and it's just this little tiny thing mm. Uh, but you go, that's hilariously gross. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of little gags like that. Yeah, then they'll move on to something quite heartfelt. I think they actually managed to mix all the tones quite well. But, yeah, there's definitely a lot of little sight gags like that. Mm. All right. Well, we'll play one of the well-selected tracks from the show. It's called Bilgewater Geek Music. That's the group. Hi, this is Matthew Riley, creator of the Scarecrow and Jack West Jr. series. Welcome aboard the Zero G Heli Carrier on 3RRRFM. Semper Sci Fi. Yeah, not Bobcats there, <laughs> but Wolfwalkers. Now, we played two tracks there, and the first one was Bilgewater, which functions as a theme for Resident Alien, which mm-hmm. we were talking about before, and that was the Wolfwalkers theme. Brian Coulet. There, the composer, he's known for his work on Coraline back in 2009. Wolf Walkers from the movie, which we're discussing right now, an animated film which we discovered on Apple, Apple Plus. Plus. Yes, <laughs> uh, which I thought was kind of cool. I haven't watched a heap of the Apple original, all the things that were released kind of on Apple exclusively, and I. but I have seen some of the other films that this director has done, and I was so pleased that you recommended this, Rob, because I hadn't heard of it at all. So Wolfwalkers was, uh, it's a sort of a fantasy film and it's animated and it is based around sort of Celtic folklore and it is part of a trilogy that has been directed by Tom Moore and Ross Stewart. And so, well, Moore has done other films prior to this. So he did the film The Secret of Kells, and that was in 2009, and Song of the Sea in 2014. And both of those also deal with sort of elements of Celtic folklore as well, and as does Wolfwalkers. And I think I've seen Song of the Sea, and I absolutely loved it. It was so beautiful, sort of a bit about selkies and things like that. And you've seen Secret of Kells, haven't you, Rob, as well? Yeah, absolutely brilliant. It is not often that you find an animation studio that is a match for Studio Ghibli. Mm, mm, mm. But I feel in execution, in tone, in sheer artistry, in cultural significance, Mm. in storytelling, in just capturing a spirit of a time and everything. It is just an amazing studio, this one, uh, Cartoon Salon. And... They know what they're doing, and so 
when I say these are as recommended as any Miyazaki film, mm-hmm. I'm not mm-hmm. kidding around. Yeah, absolutely. If you haven't heard of these films or if you haven't seen them, please definitely check them out, especially if you're a fan of animation because the animation in these is simply incredible. Just the art style is quite distinct and I think just the flow and the feeling of it, it really fits each. I think Song of the Sea has a very different feel to this, even though the art styles, you know, are in the same vein. I just think they're such beautiful pieces of art. So it is sort of known as uh, the Irish Folklore trilogy. So sorry, they're faced around Irish folklore. I don't want to missay what we're talking about here. But uh, yeah, so this one in particular, Wolf Walkers. So this is about a story of uh, two families, really, you could say. So we start off with a, a young protagonist, Robin. So Robin Goodfellow, she's living in a town which is sort of bordered by a forest and she has arrived from England uh, to this small town in Ireland with her father. And this is sort of a time when it's very superstitious and it's very much about good and evil and, you know, certain things are good and certain things are evil and it's very black and white and and it's a very top-down situation because we have, what do they call the the guy who runs the town again? It's the Lord Protector of Ireland. And it is, of course, Oliver Cromwell. Ah, okay, there you go. All right, it's falling into place. Yeah, 17th century. Mm-mm. So we've got the very distinct juxtaposition between this town, which is very walled off, very grey and rigid, and then also we have some sections in the forest, which Robin strays into against her father's wishes. And, of course, she comes across uh, a young girl called Meb. Yes, so comes across Meb who has a mysterious secret and uh, origins of which uh, <laughs> leans into the title of the film, which is, of course, Wolfwalkers. And so they become friends and Robin learns more and more about the mysterious lives of Wolfwalkers and the history and dark secrets that are going to impact her life forever because, of course, the town hates wolves, wants to kill them, wants to wipe them out, yeah, kill them all basically. And so she learns a little bit nuance about about the life of the wolves. Mm. Because Cromwell is part of this English invasion of Ireland at the time, Mm. What he's all about is civilising the country. They're trying to stop an alliance between Ireland and people who might want to restore the king, that sort of thing. Actually, I wonder if the king was dead by then. (laughs) Restoring restoring the monarchy might be a better idea, although in this supernatural context, you don't know what's possible. You may (laughs) be aware that Robin Goodfellow is also the name of Puck, in oh. fairy folklore. Right, right. Okay. And there's a good intersection of that in this story. <laughs> Played by Anna Knifsi, mm-hmm. and she has been on stage and screen in the UK and also appeared in Sherlock at one stage mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. series. Eva Whitaker plays Mev, and she has been seen before in The Girl at the End of the Garden and Tina Times 2. Of course, it's her voice in this particular show. And Sean Bean plays Robin's father. <laughs> Reliable I, old Sean Bean. It's so, so they've, good. They've obviously come from Yorkshire, you know, <laughs> with Simon McBurney playing Lord Protector Oliver Cromwell, who's had so many roles like uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, so he's been around everywhere. Playing Mev's mother is Maria Doyle Kennedy, and she's a very well-known Irish singer, songwriter, and actress. 
And again, somebody who's been in everything, but particularly in Orphan Black. Ah, nice, nice. And also in Outlander, so a lot of those sorts of um, shows she has appeared in. Again, all voice actors and well cast in in this, I thought. But really the, the thing about this movie is it's, Immense artistry and the way that mm. feeds the story. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. The golden autumnal colours of the wood, yep. the arcing organic shapes of the lunging, lurking lupine characters. <laughs> it, it is actually magic and it's helped by the fact that they they sort of keep the sketch lines around the figures, which yeah. means that they vibrate with yeah, and some some scenes are just like, you know, you could take a screenshot of them, put them on your wall, like they're just these beautifully uh, detailed kind of scenes or something from a store, an illustrated book, and then next minute there's this incredibly active like movement scene where it just really takes you on this journey and it's really kind of kinetic and beautiful. And so I just think the way it's all stitched together, those different styles and the juxtaposition between poor Robin's life in the town and some of the split screens we get of her and then, yeah, this life in the forest of of whipping through these beautiful landscapes. Honestly, I started watching this because I hadn't realised that it was the same people who had done those other films. And then once it started, I was like, oh, yeah, okay. So, And then I just, it really grabbed me. And I, I just honestly, I loved it so much. I just thought the story was was lovely. I think it was really engaging. I got like my heartbeat increased in some parts. Like it's quite exciting, mm. and it's a really lovely story. And I think the voice acting as well is is exquisite in this. I mean, Sean Bean can do no wrong in my mind. Unless he's aboard the Snowpiercer. Oh yes, true. Good point. Good point. Yeah, I think it's such a beautiful film. The way they show that characters, the wolves at least, can see sense, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, that is just gorgeous. And they handle perspective by stacking things on top of each other, which is a very medieval sort of approach in tapestries. And so you'll get this sort of overhead side view of of a town. Yeah, yes. And it just suits it perfectly. Yeah, and kind of like a woodcut type layout sometimes or etching style and then next minute it's like a watercolour painting. It's I just can't rave about the animation style enough. And the music is great too. They've got um, mm. Norwegian singer, songwriter Aurora in there doing a, a version of her running with the wolves, which is obviously perfect for this. <laughs> and also the Irish folk music group Keeler. I just have immense admiration for this entire film. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Everything, execution, story, it's all perfect. Only caveat I might have, and this is really picking, I got kind of tired of Sean Bean saying, nor Robin. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will. I'll, I'll agree with you on that one. I think, but, but then I also, I think there's a really lovely, it's a very subtle way of them showing his motivation around being so strict mm. with Robin in some ways. It just comes from this really big place of love and obviously fear because it's just the two of them now. And I do think I agree with you. I think there was sometimes they could have altered that line a bit to mix it up. <laughs> yeah, I, it all resolved beautifully. And then she'd bounce back with, Father, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, yeah, you don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> just 
just incredible. And the running with the wolf kind of animation scenes, just a great excuse for them to really stretch their legs and get some good animation and running through certain scenery. So they've, they've done everything right. I, those other prior films are amazing, obviously. But- I actually thought that this crosses over into a genre, a fairly uh, important genre in horror mm. that uh, makes it one of the best films in that genre. I had that thought too. I was like, oh, so it's kind of like this. They're kind of like this thing, but not, and it's every night. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. How about that? So this will have to be added to the particular collection. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I did know. I did have some questions at the end of the plot. I was like, oh, there's a lot of, uh, there's some quick forgiveness happening here, but I also understand that we want to resolve to a happy ending, so that's all good. Yeah. So much music we could pick from this one. I think what we'll do is we might close with this today and go out with Running with the Wolves, Mm -hmm. which is Aurora's original song, but this is the Wolf Walkers version Mm -hmm. on Zero G, science fiction, fantasy, and historical radio. And you can find the two items we talked about which was Resident Alien on the Channel 9 streaming service mm-hmm. and Wolf Walkers on Apple Plus TV. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I'm sure that Wolf Walkers had sort of a abbreviated cinematic release. It did have a very small release. It didn't wasn't released here. I wonder if it hit some film festivals and things. But, yeah, I think it would be nice if you show it a little love. I'm sure you can rent or buy it in the Apple Store as well if you're interested. Hmm. All right. Thank you to Kayla Larson, our podcaster. And also, thank you, Megan. Thank you, Rob. Joe Brenetic coming up next with Astral Glamour. G'day, this is Rob Jan. Thanks for listening to the podcast at Triple R's Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy, and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website.